0: This is your host, Aram Kumuf, and you're listening to yet another episode of the Product Innovation Series. Uh, Today, I'm joined with uh, Tudor Montiano, who is uh, originally from Romania and has worked in product in different roles before, before becoming a VP of Product Engineering at Azon. Uh, Tudor, thank you for uh, accepting the invitation to join us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Cool. Uh, First question I have is more, I guess, of a personal question, but... Um, as I'm based in Barcelona, and I think you are as well, how has been your uh, relocation here? Because I believe you're from Romania.
1: Yes, yes, uh, I'm from Romania. I believe I believe Barcelona is an emerging IT uh, and overall technology hub in Europe, and also it's a very cosmopolitan city. So I think I've been lucky uh, to land in this city and to find the opportunities I have found. So it has just been a professional growth since I arrived there. I'm very thankful for for being there. And I never felt unwelcome, let's say. It was quite the opposite.
0: Okay, good, good. Yeah, I've been here three years. I came here from Toronto with my wife and kids, and uh, we love it. No plans on going back. Glad to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next question I have is about kind of uh, the company you're at uh, the industry that's in. So if I'm not mistaken, Azon, uh, you know, the company is working in a very highly regulated industry. Uh, lots of your clients are pharma and medical companies. So maybe we could start off by if you telling us the audience, what Azon is, what's the product offering. And, uh, then I could go into some of the follow up questions around how difficult it was to kind of like manage, um, the product creation in this regulated industry?
1: Sure. Well, Azon offers a a SAS aimed to improve or optimize the pharmaceutical manufacturing process. So basically it's your regular analytics platform if you want to, but aimed uh, for pharmaceutical manufacturing. So then the regulations are uh, very harsh in the sense, because Basically, our platform can be used to uh, manage the drug manufacturing process and optimize it, and take decisions in this process. So, of course, no decision should be based on erroneous information because then the consequences would be dire, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And how do you um, how do you ensure that? Um... I'm assuming a lot of your clients, you know, pharma, medical companies really depend on data. Yeah. <clears throat> so how do you ensure that there is um, strong data capture, that it's all accurate information? Yeah. What kind of product protocols sure. or principles that you put into the creation of the solution to ensure that, you know, it's 100% accurate?
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, this, uh, this industry, the pharma and biotech industry is laggard in terms of technology or IT, because them adopting a new software means validating it. And the validation process is very expensive and requires a lot of effort. So then they prefer to stick with their own methods based on past technologies, or even based on pen and paper, right? So they, pre- they prefer um, this this aspect. So then data capture becomes a problem because their data is disparate in various system, or even, like I said, on pen and paper. And each client has their own particular data persistence systems or their own paper formats. So then it's really difficult to have a standard uh, process or protocol to capture this data. Uh, we opted on the IoT technology. We're using the AWS cloud, and we opted on the IoT technology, and we have a very versatile um client to capture the data a client that runs on customer premises and this can be configured or even uh developed further developed to adapt to various circumstances of of data persistence then you know with this versatility there's a uh, cost in uh, user experience right because you don't have it's not easy to set up uh, this client for a a wide array of of data sources and then we do a lot of bespoke um, approaches for each customer in order to ensure data capture finally um, another problem here is is the structure of the data so we cannot really come with a a standard structure so we need to accept uh, unstructured data and this this puts a lot of stress on the technology we use because there are various use cases various data velocity volume and variety for each customer you know so we have a lot of custom approaches for each customer so you
0: mentioned something about the validation process so um what from your experience now working with a slew of different types of clients which do things very differently in terms of how they structure the data persisted you know all these things uh, what could you say could be done better to manage the validation process?
1: I think trying to, trying to stick to a particular standard, uh, would help in the sense. So our industry is governed by, uh, several standards. For example, ISA-88 or ISA-95, which kind of explain the informational structure. Uh, within their manufacturing operations and thus trying to stick to a standard would would help uh, this validation process but like I said each customer has their own uh, data structures and data sources so the validation needs to be again bespoke
0: okay and uh, as a as a product engineer which is interesting we'll we'll talk about that in uh, in a few minutes but what what has um, what have you done or how has it affected your decisions in terms of going through these knowledge opportunities with these clients in terms of understanding the different ways that people do things? How have you made the product that you've been building a bit more you know, flexible, a bit more agnostic to uh, being able to handle different types of client needs?
1: Sure. We have decided to <clears throat> basically abstract the um, uh, the domains or the the data objects let me put it like this we decided to design an an abstract model in our platform that tries to represent various uh, data objects or sources of data from sensors to um, what i call recipes um it's another let's say type of data object that they use so um, in this sense the the project uh, the product can be used for any type of project that needs to handle data or needs to derive business intelligence from data and this is the positive side of um, having it built like this having it abstracted right in uh, in order to be able to work with any type of data structures but then there's a negative side to it, which is, uh, this abstraction is a layer of complexity, you know, so our users are accustomed to their own, uh, universe, their own ontology, right? So they would need to learn our own ontology, our own abstractions, and be able to map what we have with what they have in order to reap the benefits of using our product.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. And, um, I don't think I asked this question, but, um, what's like the end goal of what your product gives to your clients is it determination around what more to manufacture based on demand is it supply chain efficiency and anal- analytics like what what is like the main goals that sure um the clients look at
1: sure well uh in a nutshell they're they're looking to optimize their manufacturing process so Pharmaceutical and biotech, especially biotech manufacturing, is very, very complex. So the the operations that they do and the processes that they do are very complex. And um, there are a lot of data attributes that explain each step uh, in a process. So imagine imagine it like a cooking recipe. You know, you need to cook something in the same way you need to produce a medicine. So whatever you need to cook needs to always have the same qualities at the end, right? So imagine, imagine having to cook the same paella, right? It has to have the same color, the same texture, the same, et cetera, at the end every time you cook it. So you need to respect then um, a lot of process parameters. So there is uh, this process, the process of uh, biotech and pharma manufacturing has uh, is affected by multivariance like I said, a lot of attributes, hundreds of attributes explaining how the process goes. For example, a a fermentation process, right? There are hundreds of attributes that explain how this process goes. So it's really hard to control this process um, uh, by by controlling all of these attributes. So in this sense, providing them with technology, with the proper technology, so capturing the data through IoT, uh, providing machine learning algorithms, AI model, uh, deployment and management inside the platform and finally business intelligence dashboards uh, we help them control all these hundreds of attributes and better harness in this sense their, their process and understand how it can be improved so for example they could predict if uh, something would go wrong or they could um, develop the the signature of of what they call a golden batch. So the best batches that they have produced over time, like what determined that golden batch out of the hundreds of attributes that explains what a batch really is, you know. So th- this is just mm-hmm. pure data, right? We don't need to dwell into biotech uh, uh, concepts, you know. This is just data explaining other data.
0: Okay. All right. Um, let's talk about now product management, product engineering. Sure. So... I haven't actually had the privilege to speak to somebody who's a product engineer. I mean, I'm curious to know if you see that as the same thing as like a software engineer or you, would you consider it a bit different? Maybe let's start there and then I'll get into the product management side right. of things.
1: I think I think that, that this term that um, uh, our C-level chose of product engineering uh, comes from the idea of us um, aiming or being a product company, right? So we are software engineers, of course, uh, but then mm-hmm. our team is called uh, product engineer.
0: Okay. All right. So then from a product engineering and product management standpoint, I think you previously mentioned to me that these two disciplines should or in many ways be merged together or are, are very close together. So why do you think that? Sure. And let's start. let's start there.
1: I think, yeah, I think... Nowadays, um, an engineer needs to first um, accomplish a vertical uh, knowledge base, like being a good developer in a particular language or uh, being a good DevOps, let's say. But, but later on, in order to further grow and be a, a good uh, engineer at work, let's say, I, I think engineers need to develop horizontally as well so try to understand the business try to understand product management try to understand the market and so forth so using their vertical uh, knowledge and skill set to offer a solution that would help somebody right so it's not about engineering a tool that is an amazing engineering work but it's about engineering a tool that provides benefits to someone in order to do something right so these these latter aspects are often put aside by by engineers, let's say. That's why I believe mm. engineering and product management for a software product company should should be merged um as much as possible.
0: So what kind of skills do you think a product engineer should learn and develop in order to have that more of that horizontal knowledge base?
1: Sure. I think skills um belonging to product management uh, would be a good start i don't know if if it's really a skill set um, and i don't know if it's about hard skills i think it's about soft skills at least as much as hard skills you know so being empathetic with your end user or even understanding like i said the, the business would be uh, very helpful or even adopting a um, a work methodology like domain-driven design, which merges, um, uh, all of these concepts together, the business, the product and engineering, uh, would help you move forward in this direction.
0: Okay. And do you think that this is, um, this type of tradecraft or, you know, this concept of product engineering and product management being a lot closer together is that uh, relevant to all companies, you think, you know, now going forward, or is it more towards the regulated ones, like, you know, the ones that you work in?
1: I think it would fit uh, most companies, like I said, especially if they would be a, a product, a software product company, if they would call themselves like this. As for regulated companies, from our experience initially, it was let's say difficult to juggle with all these domains and concepts together but in the end is fairly easy because regulations require quality from you you know and a, a means to document and measure said quality so like i said adopting a particular methodology and documenting the way you work and the way you follow this methodology and setting your targets and uh, measuring how far or close you are from your targets um, would mean a good um, qualitative work, and uh, it would be helpful in in regulated environments as well. You know.
0: Okay. And you you briefly touched upon already domain driven design. Yes. I mean, it's I haven't heard that term many times, so I wanted to first ask you, what is it? How do you define domain driven design?
1: Sure. It's a, it's a work methodology that tries to capture the, the use cases that you try to solve and place them in, in what's called the problem space. And from that problem space, you can derive, um, uh, a solution space, you know, and, and this, this space is, um, uh, is grouped into particular domains that you, you try to handle. So. In our case, we we need to capture the data. We need to contextualize and manipulate the data. We need to build dashboards. We need to build AI models. So so far, I I mentioned several concepts that could be domains. Let's say like data capture. Um, but the important thing is that these domains need to be derived from uh, the business process, right? So it's it's business and um, the business model itself that defines these domains and later on by following the methodology uh, you can even uh, build architect your software surrounding these domains and respecting mm-hmm. uh, you know each domain by itself and the way they interact with each other
0: and in your in your opinion why do you think domain-driven design must be implemented in companies does it help streamline things organize processes focus you know organization
1: okay i think i think you well first of all must is kind of a of two constrictive let's say it's it's just one methodology one that i'm more accustomed with or or that i fancy let's say maybe i mean not maybe there are other methodologies out there which would be useful let's say but i think uh um just like i mentioned before that engineering needs not to be um, the back purely the back office and the the, let's say the kitchen work you know i think domain driven design offers uh, offers a path towards merging all the disciplines together and in this in this sense yes streamlining the process so that engineers are really close to, to to sales for example or or marketing right so that everybody understands the entire pipeline from requirements gathering to to delivering the solution
0: okay all right just a couple more questions uh to do. um i want to change focus towards uh another kind of angle so i wanted to ask what what do you feel because i'm assuming you work with a lot of other product leaders in your organization yes yeah. you know being in the vp of product engineering there must be you know your counterpart and product yes um who you work with so i wanted to ask you um what do you feel product directors or vps of product not in your specific company but maybe in others you worked in still do often these days that don't get them a good product at the end of the day
1: yeah okay i think uh Maybe fighting this tug of war in between, uh, product management and engineering, um, is something that's not really helpful, but also something hard to avoid. So what I mean by this tug of war is paying functional debt versus paying technical debt, for example, and fighting with, uh, with people or resources towards which way to go. Right. So maybe this would mean that the two disciplines are separated, right? And they fight for resources and interests. And and then again, uh, merging the two and trying to put the two disciplines together on the same path for the same goals would uh, maybe counteract this, uh, this approach. But this, this is very philosophical what I'm saying, right? So each company needs to uh, find their own way to move forward and, and take this approach.
0: So, just for the audience to understand what how would you explain the difference between functional debt and technical debt
1: sure well maybe technical debt is uh, is easier to understand because it's a term used uh, more often so technical debt is when you decide to deliver a feature faster let's say uh, without um compromising the the engineering aspects right so Maybe having a poor code, or uh, yeah, having a, having a poor code, having a uh, um, few unit tests or no unit tests written, so that you can deliver that feature faster, right? And then the functional debt would be would be the compromise you make on the functional or or product feature side in order uh, so that you can use the resources to pay technical debt, you know. So improving uh, the architecture or or uh, um reworking the code you know just just to make it more uh, readable means that you cannot afford to work in something else, right so it could incur functional debt in this sense.
0: okay so you, you talked about the the tug of war between you know uh, the resources side. I want to ask you another question which is um, in in your in your experience, what steps when it goes when it comes to the creation of product development? do you feel are still being skipped, you know, skipped upon or, or missed entirely?
1: Okay. I think a very important step, uh, comes after product development. So basically validating your proposal, validating your delivery, let's say. So let's imagine we would work with, uh, OKRs, um, then we develop something we ship something now is the time to measure those key results right now is the time to measure that our output what we have delivered has the expected outcome right Touches the objective moves the needle in the direction we want and so forth so in my experience uh, at times I felt we are uh, very much focused in the delivery itself the output right without paying too much attention on the outcome, right? So what comes after the delivery? How useful is that? How how our users are interacting with the new feature? What does this bring for them and, and so forth,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, last question group I have is around biases. Yeah. Uh, so having spoken to a lot of different people in product, there's all different types of biases, cognitive bias, data bias, etc. Yeah. Um. Wanted to ask you about what biases have you come across in decision-making that you have seen prevent product people working effectively sure
1: in our case um, the um, the complexity of our domain so biotech manufacturing and the complexity of our product um technologies like machine learning and iot and so forth makes it um, challenging to control all aspects right technological and and market wise so then uh, at times we i believe there's a tendency that we cannot see the forest because of the trees you know so we are stuck into our own definitions and our own technologies and and pursuing an output like i previously mentioned and let's say forget or omit about the actual outcome so maybe you know maybe um, maybe two lines of code applying the pareto principle maybe two lines of code would deliver 80 percent of the expected uh, outcome right so it's not so much about um, how much we can deliver and how much we can code but it's about the actual value we, we offer, you know, the outcome. So then the bias, the bias would be in my experience towards this, right? Not seeing the forest because of the trees and, uh, uh chasing the output instead of, uh, managing the outcome.
0: Chasing the output instead of managing. Okay. And so if you were to be able to come up with a solution to counteract that, how would you, uh, set, set that in motion?
1: sure so like i previously said adopting a methodology uh, okrs or domain driven design and so forth a methodology that uh merges all the business aspects together uh, the business process uh, product engineering um i think it would help everybody um chasing the north star of the company whatever that would be and from time to time i think um, having cross-departmental meetings and uh, strategic meetings are also helpful into realigning and putting everybody on the same path right so uh, i think i think in this sense periodic strategic meetings and uh, methodology to help you, um, plow through this approach, through these operations, uh, would be a good way to go.
0: Okay. All right. Last question I have is, uh, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would want to share with the audience listening in terms of, uh, you know, your experience or maybe a big takeaway that you would want them to come out of this, listening to this recording. All
1: right. Um, I think when we in, in in my case when we try to improve a particular metric given we have constant resources or a constant number of people or or, or revenue or, or something like this I think when you try to improve one particular metric of your department or, or your business you should expect um, a compromise with a different metric you know so if we want to improve quality it would have a hit on speed for example and and vice versa so in this sense um, i think managers should be again uh, aware of all the disciplines in the company so that they can uh, better juggle with these with these uh, different metrics and do a really good risk assessment before deciding which way to go you know and Try to predict the the compromises and the impacts uh, one decision would create.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Tudor, for uh, for all your valuable insight and for giving us some some time today. And uh, always, thank you to our listeners for tuning in and supporting the show. And stay tuned for our next episode.